Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by my free mini course, Figure Out Facebook Live. There are 2.1 billion Facebook users, making it the biggest social media platform today. Your clients are on Facebook and your competition is there too. So if you're not engaging with your clients, your competition will. You may have heard that the algorithms are changing and Facebook will be showing your business page posts even less than they already are. If you want to give your content the best chance of being seen, then you need to start implementing Facebook Live videos. Go to megbrunson.com slash Facebook Live to download the free workbook and access our free mini course so that you can start figuring out Facebook Live today. Now let's introduce today's guest. She's a mother of three with an undergraduate degree in organizational training and a master's degree in business. After working in the healthcare industry for more than 15 years and spending the last five years supporting integrative health practitioners implementing business and marketing growth strategies, she now helps mom entrepreneurs start and grow their health and wellness businesses through her blog, Grow Big and Stay Home. Get ready for some great tips on motivation, organization, and productivity from Jaylene McGill. Hi, Jaylene. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Meg. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you too. So I want to hear a little bit about what you do. So tell me about your job and, and the scope of the services that you offer your clients. You bet. So right now I work as a virtual practice manager for integrative health practitioners. So I help them basically just run their office. And then um, we talk about you know uh, marketing strategies, business processes, anything, anywhere we can make things more efficient for their clients and patients. I just have a, a list of clients that I work with. And um, I'm just kind of active with them all day with whatever meetings that we're having or, you know, answering questions and any kind of anywhere that I can help them really streamline things to grow their business and to help it keep plugging along. They all work virtually. So it's really important that their processes be supportive to their clients and patients. And then also that their processes bring in more clients and patients. And do you, you work from home as well? I do. Yep. I work from home. With your kids? With all three of my children. Yeah. <laughs> and my husband actually, who um, is uh, works in marketing, he is a full-time 
marketing associate, but he does a lot of uh, web building and um, digital marketing strategies for for the um, company that he works for. So we're all home together all day long. And how do you juggle all that? I've taken so many. I have an undergraduate in organizational training and a master's in business, and I've taken um, several productivity trainings. I actually I did the ninety day year with Todd Herman, and I've just really learned about organizing my time, um, setting timers, grouping tasks together that are like so that you know I'm not kind of bouncing back and forth between one side of my brain to the other. <laughs> I homeschool my kids also. And so I work really hard to make sure that um, I take little 10, 15 minute breaks on the end of a 30 to 45 minute block to make sure that they have a task to work on. And then uh, my husband and I work really well at just kind of tag teaming as far as, you know, who's going to make them lunch or who has, you know, a meeting and needs to step away and that kind of thing. And how old are your kids? The youngest will be three next month. And then the next one will be five in July. And then my oldest is going to be 12 in May. So my oldest does help quite a bit with the homeschooling because she'll run like the reading and spelling activities for the five and the three-year-olds. And that gives me a break. So that's actually, I've been working from home for uh, going on five years. And I would say that the last probably six to eight months has gotten a little bit smoother as they've gotten a little bit older. But when they were babies and when I was pregnant and that kind of thing, it was just a lot of being super proactive about planning my day and my schedule. Your daughter's 12, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, she's going on 12. How does she feel about homeschooling? Does she like that arrangement? I I imagine my 10-year-old would love being able to teach her little sisters. So I'm just curious how that works for you guys. I think she she likes it for small blocks of time as far as being responsible for the boys. But she also, she's very dedicated to her schoolwork and she needs kind of like focused, quiet time. So she has a spot in the house where she can go to do her schoolwork and to focus. And they're not allowed to go in there and interrupt her. And so that's another part of juggling everything is just being really respectful of each other and of, you know, how we're each learning and how we work and what we need to be our most focused and efficient selves. Obviously, the boys don't require a whole lot other than just kind of periodic interaction and food. (laughs) (laughs) But she, she does appreciate being able to homeschool. But she also has several kind of extracurricular outside of the home activities that I take her to do just for her. Um, she has an acting class and she does um, a like a strength training kind of kids exercise class at the Y and she does Zumba a couple of times a month. And so she's got her little schedule and her social activities. So I think she appreciates that too. How do you stay focused? I know my kids are home too. And sometimes just hearing them outside the door, it's so easy to want to go out and either discipline or even if it's happy sounds, it's like, I want to play too. So how do you stay focused? It depends on what I'm doing. For a period of time, I was doing a lot of copywriting. I would use my earbuds with classical music just on low, but it would kind of create a barrier between, you know, the sound um, so that I could still focus. 
And that helps me quite a bit. There was a period of time where like if I have projects or something, I will go work at a coffee shop for like an hour or two early in the morning, like before they really start getting ramped up for the day. I just try to tune in to what I need to do. The timer and the time blocking really helped me a lot because it's like there's a end to look forward to. So I don't feel like I have to get up in that minute because I know in 30 minutes, the timer's going to go off and I can get up then. Obviously, if they're pulling each other's hair or something, I need to go like help them. <laughs> but for the most part, if you know, it's just a matter of kind of they're in the house and they're running around and playing or, or you know, whatever. I find that that timer helps me a lot because I feel like, oh, the timer is going to go off in, in a few minutes and then I can go help them. It's almost like it gives me permission to keep working. And, and there's a space at the end of it to go and engage in whatever they are doing or needing. That makes sense. I used to run 5Ks. Uh huh. And sometimes like when you see the finish line, exactly, you could be dead tired and just want to stop and like walk for a minute. Because I was never like one of those people who actually ran the whole 5K. Like right. I would jog and then walk and, you know, <laughs> something's better than nothing. Yeah. But when you see the finish line, it's so easy to just finish it. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you learn about the time blocking and the timers? Is that something that came out of the... 90 day year you just mentioned, or is that something separate? It came out of a lot of research about productivity because I just had a need to be productive. I did not want to go back to an eight to five and put my kids in daycare. And so it was kind of like, I need to figure out how to be successful in my business with my kids at home. And so I did a lot of research about productivity and about really like, my undergraduate and organizational training, that is a psychology major. And a lot of it has to do with just inspiring the mind and almost kind of like tricking the mind a little bit to be on your side because our brains naturally kind of work against us. They'll tell us, oh, you need to do such and such, but they won't tell it. Your brain doesn't tell you like how to do it in the best way for you, depending on your situation. <laughs> So I researched a lot of just productivity tips and tools and tricks and that kind of thing and kind of adapted the ones that worked for me. The 90-day year taught me a lot about organizing my time and my tasks and setting my goals and creating objectives and then goals and tasks that support the objectives. So it was more like, you know, creating a flow of what needs to be done. And then the productivity research kind of taught me how to get it all done in the time that I have available with the focus that I have available. Now, and we spoke briefly before the interview and I'm like, wow, this is so on point to what I just told you. Like I'm struggling today. Yeah, <laughs> with motivation. Absolutely. I know I'm not the only one that goes through those, those days or even those weeks where it's like, man, Facebook's really interesting today. I'll spend my time doing that instead. So... Uh, motivation is a huge thing and procrastination, you know, technology, smartphones, just those things that kind of, they enter your consciousness and you have to kind of drive getting them out of your consciousness or using them to your benefit because Facebook obviously is a huge, you know, important tool that we can use as business owners if it's not distracting while you're using it. You know, I use Pinterest quite a bit also because it it's also a search engine the same way Google is. So when you talk about SEO, you always kind of want to include Pinterest. 
I can get lost on Pinterest for hours. I'll probably never do any of the things that I pin, (laughs) make any of the amazing things that people can make, but I can get lost on there for sure. Yeah, it's... It's a, it's a vortex and you can absolutely get lost in there. It's like I saw a quote or a meme or something on Facebook that was like, I used to be a Pinterest mom, but now I'm an Amazon Prime mom. Nice. I love it. <laughs> and it's like, that used to be me because I've got a closet over here full of craft supplies and I was always super crafty until about kiddo number two. Right. And then it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I used to bake a lot with, um, with my oldest. And uh, it it kind of turned into like a fiasco trying to bake with all three of them. So now I make her bake with the middle one. There you go. (laughs) Put the baby on something else or the three-year-old. He's not a baby anymore, but put him on some other task, you know. The youngest is always the baby. Mine's two and she's the baby. It's true. Yep. And how do you feel like that responsibility is helping your daughter? I think that it forces her to create space for compassion and understanding and patience and all of those things that I think are so important as humans for us to be with one another, not, not just as a big sister or as a mom someday, if she chooses to be one, but just in general to kind of, you know, have that empathy for another person because they're seven years apart. And she really has to be mindful of he doesn't have the same resources that you have for managing his emotions or things that are frustrating him or, you know, that kind of thing. When I remind her and I ask her to be his, I call it his babysitter because that kind of sets her mind into a different, he's not just your little brother, he's your charge, like you're responsible for him right now, you know? And when I ask her to do that, she really drops into that role and she really makes me very proud of how she interacts with him. But she does need to be, you know, set on that path. She doesn't just kind of naturally do it. Uh, And I, which I think is normal for her age group, you know, middle schoolers maybe tend to be a little more kind of self-centric. Maybe. (laughs) Or maybe it's just my middle schooler. I don't know. I don't think it's just yours. (laughs) But I think it really does give her that, you know, space to kind of practice those skills and learn them and really connect to him where he's at. And I think that's, it's a, it's a parenting thing that I don't necessarily have to, you know, create those experiences for her because it's happening right there when she's in charge of her little brother. And do you give her like an allowance for those tasks or is that part of the expected responsibilities as a family member? Exactly. Yeah. I tell her we all work together. We're all on the same team. You know, mom and dad don't get paid to, you know, treat you guys with respect and be kind and caring to you. I think those, like I was mentioning her um, activities outside of her homeschool, where mom and her go to her class and it's just her time. And then she gets to kind of interact like a 12 year old girl with all the other girls there, you know, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of a reward for her or it gives her that space to kind of be, you know, not responsible for anybody else but herself and, you know, interact with her friends in the way she wants to. Yeah. It would be nice though, if we got paid as parents, like, here you go. You did the dishes today. 
I know. Like you went and bought groceries. That's like my least favorite thing in the world is to go grocery shopping. But yeah, that would be excellent if somebody paid me to do it. Folding laundry, I think. Like we're we're that clean basket family. Yeah. Oh yeah. The laundry gets clean and then it sits in the basket till you wear it. And then so if somebody could like fold and put away the laundry. I think that's another part of working from home. You know, uh, Kate Northrup, who I love and I follow. She says, you know, you need to define what being a a successful mom means to you and what being a successful business owner means to you. And then each day, just do what you can to reach those measures of success. And for me, being a successful mom has absolutely nothing to do with laundry folded and put away. You know, it just doesn't. Sometimes my kitchen isn't clean before I go to bed. And that's something that is fine with me because I was able to be a successful mom and a successful business owner that day. So it's maybe a little bit about shifting your mindset as far as you can have it all, but you just have to define what that means to you and really, you know, drill down those kind of benchmarks of success. I like that. Yeah. I really like that. That's something I'm going to have to take away and think about some more. Yeah. I think about what defines success in my business, but I don't know that I've ever defined success as a mom. I think when you're trying to be a mom entrepreneur, it's really important to to think about them both that way because, you know, essentially you've got the audacity to live life on your own terms and bring all of your children and your family along with it, right? So you're kind of bringing them into this, you know, world that you're creating, which throws off maybe their schedule a little bit or what they want that day or what they think their priorities are, what have you. And so, yeah, I think it's really important to think about, you know, what do I need to accomplish today to feel like I was a successful mom? And there are days when I always ask my kids at night, did you have a happy day? What was your best? What was your worst? Like I always check in with them to see. And across the board, it doesn't matter what we did that day. They always had a happy day. So why do I need to kill myself to take them to the zoo four times a week? Or, you know, (laughs) it's more about like their experience and what do they need from me? to feel like they're loved and they're cared for and they're important and those kinds of things. And thinking about being a successful mom helped me to realize that, you know, that I was setting the bar way higher than they really needed. And that frees up a little bit of space and room and, you know, emotional and mental energy to focus on business, which it can feel a little bit selfish. But when you've decided what makes you a successful mom and you know what you need to do that day to reach that, It doesn't feel so selfish to spend that extra hour or two hours on business. I love the idea of checking in with the kids. Yeah. I don't know that that's something I do. Like I ask them about school, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily the day all together and using that as your like rubric for. And I always ask them like when, when my daughter was going to public school, I would ask her, what did you laugh about today? Or did anything make you feel sad today or what have you? Because inevitably I would ask, how was your day? Fine. And that's like the end of the conversation. And it's like, you know, there were way more layers (laughs) happening today. I know there were. So just learning about what questions to ask to get that feedback, to feel like, okay, she was happy and healthy and loved and cared for today. 
check, you know, the box check there. Let's move on to the next kid. <laughs> like an assembly line. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I hear that. So what's your, your number one tip for growing your business effectively at home? I would say being proactive. Um, and by that, I mean, it might feel a little unnecessary, or maybe you've started a planner and never stuck to it, or, you know, you know what your goals are in your head, but you never really seem to have the time to do everything on your list or whatever. Um, And so when I say being proactive, I think it's really important to, again, define what success means to you in those roles and then create like a quarterly plan for what what are my ultimate objectives for this quarter? What do I want to get done in the next three months? And then work backwards from there as far as which goals do I need to set to reach those objectives? And then which tasks do I need to do each day to reach those goals? And make sure that you're being realistic about how many tasks you can get done in a day. Set progress, not perfection. You can, you know, get two things done and that's growing your business. You have to show up every day and take action every day. The only way you fail is if you quit. So if you're showing up every day and you're taking those little like micro steps of progress, you're growing your business. And it may not happen, you know, in the timeline that you thought it would. But again, if you've got the audacity to live life on your terms, you have to understand that it's, it's a daily grind. It's a daily, you know, expectation to show up and to try and to put in, you know, that effort to at least get a task on your list done. So just being proactive. And you mentioned planners. So you're a big planner user, right? I am. <laughs> How do you use planners? And I know as somebody who bought into the planner craze in 2017, how did you pick what planners to use? I picked the most simple planner that was available. It was like $12. It didn't have any like stickers or pictures or any of that kind of stuff. And basically it just supported that what I learned from the 90 day year and what I've learned from all of my research on productivity It just gave me a place to create my goals for the quarter and then break down each one of those goals into objectives and then break down each one of those objectives into tasks. And then it has a daily calendar for 6 a.m., 6.30, 7, like, you know, through there. Mm -hmm. And then I just drop tasks onto the times that I'm going to do them. And I set a timer and... I do my 30-minute blocks, whatever task is in that block. And it's just really simple, but it helps me show up every day and take a bit of a step towards progress. And I reach my goals for success that day, and I feel good and happy, and (laughs) and that's it. So it's affordable and easy. Affordable and easy, absolutely. And just paper and pen. Yeah, I mean, I know people love to use like Trello and, you know, all kinds of things like that. And I think the key is really to find the system that works for you. And if you're not going to 
be consistent with it or you're not going to use it every day or it's not going to help you show up and make that progress, then it's not for you. Like the, there's not one fits one size fits all kind of a system. You know, some people really need pen and paper, which incidentally, your brain actually makes a commitment to reach the goal when you write it down. But a lot of people love their electronic planner. So I think that whatever works for you and whatever you know you will be consistent at using, that's the one you should choose. Great tips. I like it. And for motivation, another thing, um, Mel Robbins has a fantastic video. She's got several fantastic videos on YouTube, but one, one that I really love is she's created the 54321 method, which basically what you do is as soon as you think about something that you need to do, whatever it is pops in your head, you say to yourself, 54321, and then you get up and go do it. And basically what it's doing is it's telling your brain, you know, this is, this is the countdown. Like we were talking about the timers or the finish line or whatever. It basically gives you that point of take action that you didn't have before because you were just thinking about it. And then it was like, oh, I'll get to that. Or, you know, oh, I'll do that. Or it helps with procrastinating. There's any things that you just don't want to do that day, but you know, you need to do put them at the very top of your list and five, four, three, two, one them and just get them done. That's a great tip for procrastination and motivation. I love that one. And it works. And do your kids implement those tips too? Like, are you training them to use them? I do. I talk with um, my oldest about it, especially when it comes to her schoolwork, because I give her the kind of freedom to decide what she's going to work on that day and whether or not she's going to work ahead into the next day's lessons or I let her kind of create her schedule and she'll come to me and she'll talk to me about, well, I need to do this big um, report or something, but I really don't want to do it. And then we'll talk about just write the title and the first paragraph and see how you feel after that. Or the best thing that you can do if it's something you don't want to get, you don't want to do is do it first thing in the morning or get it out of the way. Yeah. And just a lot of those kind of productivity and time management things that I've learned along the way, I'm definitely trying to pass them on to her. I think that's extremely valuable. My oldest, we give her some of those same choices. Don't homeschool. You know, we we do traditional schooling, but she'll come home with homework and she has chores and household responsibilities. And especially on the weekends, it's like she wants to play with her friends. She has to do her laundry. You know, she has to get a shower in and she's got a book to read. And she inevitably puts off everything to the end of the day and gets frustrated. So... Being able to find a way to teach her those skills is going to help her and it's going to help my sanity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't argue with my daughter much the way that I used to since, you know, the, the last probably, I'd say, three years that I've really like honed in my productivity and because I had to because I had the boys, you know, <laughs> had more kids. So I had to be more proactive about my productivity. Um, and I just let her know, like, this is the information and these are your choices. And this is probably what's going to happen if you make the choice you're leaning towards right now. And, you know, she's really starting to settle into making some responsible and mature decisions when it comes to her time management. And so that's pretty cool. I like that. I've loved all of the time management tips and the productivity tips and the mindset shifts that we talked about. 
Where can people find more information about you and your more tips and tricks from you? I started uh, just this year, I launched Grow Big and Stay Home, which is um, it's growth strategies for um, health and wellness mom entrepreneurs. But obviously, you know, it's applicable to any, any business. Um, I focus on health and wellness because that's, I come from 15 years of healthcare and then the last five years in integrative health. And so that's my business, Grow Big and Stay Home. That's wonderful. And what about social media? Where are you on social? You mentioned Pinterest. Yeah. So right now I'm just on Pinterest and on Facebook, but I'm going to be doing um, video, I think is my, in my opinion, the most efficient way to get content out there. I don't really have the time to write, you know, these wonderful grand blog posts that a lot of people do. So I'm going to be doing a lot of Facebook lives and doing video video posts on the blog to just be really efficient about getting the content out to people. Wonderful. And we'll put all those links in the show notes so people can find you quickly and easily. Thank you. And I really just want to thank you for taking some time out of your hectic schedule. I know how it is with a bunch of kids. And yeah, so I appreciate you taking the time and you've helped me because now I can go get some of my work done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for giving me this chance to just kind of babble about my my day to day. It's been really fun. No, it's been great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Meg. You'll find the show notes, including all of the links we discussed in this episode at megbrunson.com slash 16. Last week, we discussed social media and automation tools with Louise Brogan. Louise works with entrepreneurs to help them figure out how to market their business online in a strategic and organized way. She's the founder of Social Bee Academy, a membership with focus, accountability, and community backing up a really great training on marketing your business online. Next week, we'll meet the founder of Authentic Parenting, Anna Sewald. With a strong passion for helping children, Anna dedicated her life to working with abused, neglected, orphaned, institutionalized children, and juvenile delinquents. After nearly 20 years, she realized that it's through helping parents that she can have the greatest impact on children. Today, she is supporting parents around the world by moving from traditional ways of parenting into more peaceful, conscious ways by making sense of their past experiences, healing from trauma, building effective communication, practicing non-punitive discipline, and setting limits with love and kindness. Subscribe to the podcast today because that's an episode that you're not going to want to miss. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Do us a favor. Share this podcast with a friend who is also building a business and raising a family. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring.